Thanks for listening in. On this episode, I had the chance to talk with Jennifer Craig. She's an online connection that I met through a Facebook group called Cancer Fighting Princess. Jennifer and I talked about going through cancer with an unsupportive partner, going through a divorce, and having to take care of her children as a single mother. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here with Jennifer, a seven-year breast cancer survivor from Augusta, Georgia, and I know Jennifer from an online platform uh, through Facebook called Cancer Fighting Princess. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about your breast cancer story. So um, we're just going to go ahead and dive right in. Um, What I'd like to know first and foremost is how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 33. I was about two weeks away from my 34th birthday. Okay. So 33 is pretty young. Um, That's not typical. Um, That's a pretty young age to be uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. Yes. Especially since I have no family history. Okay. And my story is out there. It is probably one of the strangest stories you will ever hear. Well, I'm interested in hearing it. (laughs) I'm definitely interested in hearing it then. Um, Because I feel like, you know, with breast cancer, it's it's the same disease or same illness, but all of our stories are so different. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in hearing your story. Um, so um, I'm trying to remember the statistic that I last read was it's about one in 12,000 women who are under the age of 40 that are diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, so that's Sounds not a lot. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. not a lot. Um, so tell me, what was your, um, well, let's let's kind of go here first. Um, how did you find it? Was there a lump? Um, did you go in for, I mean, you wouldn't have gone necessarily for a mammogram um, because it wouldn't have been recommended unless there was some reason that you were going um, for something different. So how did you find it? Okay, I had no lump. Let's start there. And I was also a triple D, so I was quite large, so it's been very hard to find a lump on me. Yes. What had happened, I moved to Lexington, South Carolina to get remarried, and the guy I was engaged to started to make comments about, I had gained weight, you're crazy, da-da-da-da-da. Well, the job I had at the time did not offer insurance until you were a direct hire. So I finally got to be a direct hire, and I was like, let me go to the doctor and get some diet pills to make this man shut up and, and to prove to him that I'm not crazy. So I went to the doctor and um, told the doctor the whole story, the whole truth about everything this man was saying. And he was like, well, let's start it slow. Let's do some blood work. And any time a woman says they have gained weight, they want to check your thyroid. 
Right. So they checked my thyroid. It was fine. It was normal. So he ordered some more tests. And one of the tests that he ordered was a prolactin test for which makes your body think that it's pregnant and makes you lactate and um, some other issues. And my level was so alarming to him, he ordered an emergency MRI. So what, what would he, why would they give that test? What would they be looking for, for that test? Um, because, well, for one, I was, I had gained some weight. I'd gained probably about 40 pounds for which is a lot. I'm only five foot three. So with your, with prolactin levels, it makes your body hoard food because it thinks you're pregnant. Okay. So when you're pregnant, you're starting to, you know, keep extra weight on for the baby and store things. But my tubes were tied, got them tied at 25. I was, you know, unfortunately finished having children. With the MRI that he did an emergency MRI for, it came back that I had a pituitary tumor, for which also causes weight gain because that houses all of your hormones, including pregnancy hormones. So I started to think about it, and they didn't say anything about it. They just said, okay, it's small. We're going to send you to MUSC in Charleston, and we'll get you taken care of. And I was like, wait, I'm lactating. And I know I'm not pregnant because we're on my tubes are tied. I know it can happen, but not in this case. And they told me that was normal. And I was like, but it's green. Oh, that's in not both normal. Breasts, right. In both breasts. They still told me that was normal. And I literally had to get into an argument with the nurse to even allow me to ask the doctor, for a mammogram. She kept telling me I was too young, that I had no family history, that insurance would not cover it. She gave me every excuse in the book not to ask the doctor to order a mammogram. <sighs> and I flat out refused to leave their office until I got the order. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I knew something was wrong. I could feel it. I know my body, I was tired all the time. I just, you know, just, I felt off. Right. And I was not going to take no for an answer. I didn't care if insurance didn't pay for it. I would cover it. Not a big deal. You know, you can make payments on these things nowadays. Absolutely. So that, you know, don't tell me I'm too young. You're never too young for anything. And I mean, this nurse was just adamant not to go ask. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't call the cops on me, but they finally ordered it. And it came back that I had calcifications on the left side and the radiologist kept saying, Oh, it's going to be benign. You're too young. You have no family history. So she has me all worked up and I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. So they do the biopsy in the middle of the biopsy. So did I they do the biopsy the same day or did you go back? I had to go back. Okay. They had to schedule it. Okay. Um, so I went back for the biopsy and during the biopsy, they give you, um, and I can never say this word, right. Ephrinephrine, ephrinephrine, you know, the, yes, uh, the heart stuff. So right. They inject that into your 
breast, I guess, to clot the blooding or something. I'm not really sure what it's used for. But during that, it sent my blood pressure through the roof and they had to rush me to the emergency room because I was basically having a stroke. Oh my gosh. Attack. I mean, it was absolutely awful. So they were finally able to get their sample and she called me on August 27th of 2012 while sitting at my desk at work. And the first thing out of her mouth was, can you talk? And I was like, sure, give me a second. I could not even get out of my desk quick enough to go out to the doors by the elevator so I could talk privately. And the next thing out of her mouth was, you have cancer. Oh my gosh. I fell to the floor at work, just started screaming. And she was like, well, I tried to call your husband or he was my husband at the time. She was like, I tried to call your husband first. And I was like, why for one? And why would you tell me at work? Yeah. And you know, the unfortunate thing is you're not the only one that that has happened to. Um, I've, I've heard a number of stories. Um, and even my story uh, started out that same way where, you know, I got a phone call at work um, and the doctor shared that you had, you know, that I had cancer and did the same thing, fell over well, and, was I asked, and crying. And I kept asking because I've worked for lawyers in the past and, you know, I'm, a little more in tune with some of that stuff. And she said it was because they got sued. They gave someone bad news, got that they had cancer in the office and they got in a car wreck on the way home. Oh, and sued them. Oh, and I was like, really? So you're going to call me at work. <laughs> right. So thank you to that one person that sued. Right. Um, yeah. And she wow. has been my radiologist this entire time. Okay. Um, same radiologist, we get into it every time I go see her because <laughs> she's like, you're going to be fine. It's negative. You're going to be negative. You're too young. No family history. Yeah. And every time I make her go through my mammogram, I was like, you keep saying I have calcifications on the right now. They're different, Jennifer. No. So I'm, I double check. I make them do MRIs now. Uh, you know, I've had them do the ductal where they go in through your duct with the big needle yeah. to check all your ducts. And I don't take her. <laughs> so I don't, I don't take her answer at all. So I got diagnosed on August 27th. Okay. My initial and what was your, surgery. What was your diagnosis? Like what was it, the stage? It was DCIS. Okay. Which is in your milk duct mm -hmm. um, with micro invasion. Okay. And my initial surgery was August 31st. And so was that a lumpectomy? Was that a mastectomy? Yes. Okay. So yeah, you had I, a lumpectomy um, on the left side. I, I did. And with a bilateral um, breast reduction, because I was so heavy chested. Okay. Um, I could, you know, not have to have an implant or anything. Right. But... The oncologist I saw, he said, if I would not have been there within six months, I would have had a different care plan because my cancer was 90% estrogen driven. Okay. So in terms of like the DCIS, the calcifications, did that cover a large area? It did. They cut it out to my chest wall. Okay. So um, you went from a size D to about what? Um, I went from a triple D or triple to D. about a yeah, to about a B. Okay. 
So that's a, that's a lot. So was that, um, did that, did the DCIS cover all of that or you took kind of an extra step to remove some additional tissue as well? Um, I just told the surgeon to do what the surgeon needed to do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the only re- yeah. And the only reason I ask is because I, I also had DCIS. Um, I had a lump in one side, but I had DCIS in the other side and it was throughout the entire breast. Um, so it was just, I mean, it looked like somebody threw glitter and it just landed everywhere. Um, yeah. So that's why I was kind of curious. Okay. So then. And then they went in afterwards and did the lymph nodes. I'm like, why didn't you do that while you were already in there? Now you've messed up the, you know, the surgery that I've already had because right. it tore down the wall aspect of it. So with mine being estrogen driven and such an aggressive um, cancer, they said, I had to have a hysterectomy for which included having my ovaries removed. Okay. So you did the hysterectomy and ophorectomy. How long after your lumpectomy did you do that? Um, January 4th, um, 2013. So 2013. not that long after I had to wait oh. through radiation and heal and okay. all of that. So stuff. once you had the lumpectomy and then the lymph node removal, um, then you had radiation. How many rounds of radiation did you do? I'm going to say 36. Okay. I went from October to December. It was long. I went in every morning before work at 6 a.m. Then I went to work afterwards. It was, it, it took a toll. Yeah. You wouldn't think laying on a table for three seconds, 10 seconds would do that much damage. It does. But You're it right. does. It took me. It took me longer to get undressed and redressed than the whole procedure took. Right. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so um, what were what were some of the side effects that you experienced from radiation? Um, extreme fatigue. And I am very pale. I am as Southern as they come with freckles and I burned like a lobster. Oh, wow. Um, I tried the creams. Um, it killed my thyroid. Unfortunately, the, the one thing that you went in to get checked in the first place. Right. <laughs> now, so now I have to take Synthroid. Okay. Um, I think the fatigue from it all and just the stress and it, I mean, it, it took its toll. It still does. I'm still not a hundred percent back up to my energy level. I feel like I prior. Yeah. And, and I, fe- I, I can agree with that. So I had 30 rounds of radiation and, um, the biggest thing for me was the fatigue, you know, Mm -hmm. I, and I feel like, um, for me, I always call radiation the gift that keeps on giving, um, just because, you know, years down the road, I still have, um, you know, some side effects from radiation, but you're right. You know, most people kind of assume that it's, you know, because it's not as invasive or as intense or aggressive as chemo, that the side effects aren't as bad. But um, there are definitely um, some pretty harsh side effects with radiation. The Um, weight gain. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you're just laying there on this table and you don't really think it's doing anything. Right. Yeah. You know, it is. Even now, almost seven years later, I still can't really go to the beach or get in a swimsuit because, one, I'm not comfortable. And for two, I burn easier now. Right. Yeah, I absolutely. I don't have as much strength. I'm, you know, I'm tired. My kids are like, come on, mom. 
I mean, I was probably a size two, four when all this started. I am not that anymore. Um, I, I, my highest weight, I got up to about 207 and I've recently just lost about 50 pounds, but I gained 10 of it back. I'm up to like 170 now, but I hate it. I'm not the same person. Yeah. And I don't know that we are ever really the same person when we come out from the other side of this, um, in many different ways. Um, but you know, the one celebration I will give you for sure, you know, just, just having lost that 50 pounds, you know, even though you mentioned the, the weight gain of the the 10 pounds and still not feeling well, 50 pounds is, is huge. I mean, that's a, that's a huge celebration. Um, and even the 40, you know, that's, that's great. So, um, so in terms of, um, the estrogen positive, did you also have to do any kind of medication? I tried tamoxifen and all of its sister products, but it gave me such brain fog and memory loss. And I was just sick. Like I, I didn't know where I was. I mean, I just couldn't tolerate it at all. And how long did you take it? Five or six months. Okay. Yeah. So that was pretty quick that you figured out that that wasn't working for you. Did they give you, well, you said all the other sister products, did they offer anything else? Not after that. No. Okay. Okay. Mm -mm. Cause I mean, I can't take estrogen at all. So what they did for me to help with the side effects of the menopause, not necessarily to keep the cancer from coming back, but for the menopause side effects is they give you antidepressants. Okay. For which at the time, the gentleman I was with did not like antidepressants. Um, so I didn't, re- I, it, I did not have a support system. Let's put it that way. Dear in mind, I had my kids who were seven and 10 at the time, mm. but it, it's been a, it's been a struggle. Okay. And when I, and when I got sick, it was like a domino effect. Like something just kept happening afterwards. I've had 29 procedures since I got diagnosed. Wow. For- that's a lot. I just had my third reconstruction surgery in December. And I don't know if you know that there's a federal law that your insurance has to cover it. Yes, I am aware. Thank goodness. Yes. So I took advantage of that in December. And the surgeon that I used should have done my homework. Um, Insight's always 20-20. Yeah. All my incisions opened. Oh, And it was around the holidays, so he was gone. And the only thing he kept doing was calling me in pain medicine. So I had to sit there for like two weeks with it wide open on both breasts. Oh, it was the most painful thing in the entire world. Oh, my gosh. In the emergency room, like you couldn't go to the emergency room or anything. I mean, I don't know what they would do necessarily, but. I tried, but they told me if it would have been on my face, on my leg, they could have closed it up. But since it's in such a sensitive area and it's cancer related, they wouldn't touch me with a 10 foot pole. Oh my gosh. It was absolutely miserable. So then, so after two weeks, you go back to the plastic surgeon and he. He just sutures me up right in his office and I swear my boobs are uglier now than before he started. Well, the one thing that my plastic surgeon always reminded me of, and it's so hard um, because, 
you know, I, n- I never wanted to hear this either, but the one thing that he always said was, my responsibility is to make you look symmetrical under your clothes. Right. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> you know, it's not always what we're looking for. So, um, yeah. I well, mean, see, I- that was how I got this plastic surgeon. My dermatologist actually sent me to him to have a place on my face looked at to have it biopsied. And while I was laying on his table, he was like, you're, you're a survivor. You're a fighter. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he was like, your boobs are different. He's like, you're, I was like, yeah, I've had breast cancer. And he was like, yeah, they're off. You need to have that redone. <laughs> and he's the one who told me about the federal law. And I was like, oh, interesting. And it just turned out to be a big flop. But, you know, I'll get them, I'll get them redone once they're healed because they're still not healed even to this day. Yeah. And it's been six months. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I've even had a second opinion and the second, this is so interesting to me. The second opinion doctor that I went to, it's a free service. I can get through my work. And what he did is he gave me a test. It's like a genetic test. And they they ask you all these questions and it gives you your percentage of if you're going to get cancer in your lifetime. Granted, I've already had it, but they, they have two. They can give you one of your percentage to get it and then one of your recurrence. So they did. Is that a questionnaire one. or is that a blood test? It was a questionnaire because oh, okay. I'd already had genetic testing and all that done. So I just called the lady that I've been dealing with at the University of South Carolina, the college here. And um, I had a 13% chance of getting breast cancer in my lifetime. Hmm. Granted, I've already had it. So their little test said I had a 13% chance of getting it in my entire lifetime. Then she gave me the test of recurrence for which was 12%. Okay. Because the second opinion doctor did not want me to have to go through another reconstruction. If I should just go ahead and have a mastectomy and go from there. Right. And he's now like, well, I've never seen odds like this. I don't really know what to tell you. He's like, it's a personal matter now he's like if your sister gets it then maybe you'd want to think about it okay and it's I mean it's really odd yeah I've never I didn't know that there was even a questionnaire out there that could tell you that information so I um I did a blood test that could tell the uh, chance for recurrence so I didn't know that there was a questionnaire that's interesting I can send you the name it's a really long name and it starts with a t is honestly the only thing about it that I can remember. Okay. Yeah, uh, that would be great. Yeah. I mean, it, all I did was call her on the phone, and she plugged some stuff in her computer, and there we go. Right. But, yeah, I had a 13%, 13% chance of ever getting breast cancer, and 12. odds like that are pretty good. Yeah. You know, that's low. Yeah, and then 12% chance recurrent. So just kind of makes you wonder, um, Yeah. you know, what – what they use to have that indication, like how they, what the, how they came up with the outcomes for that. So, um, so you had mentioned 
that you didn't really have a support system in place, that you had kids, one was seven and one was 10? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, what did you do? How did you, how did you kind of get through this? Um, Because that's a lot. Honestly, I'm not finished being through it. Once, um, when my husband at the time found out that I was sick, his response was, suck it up or kill yourself. So... I that hope you're not bad. with him anymore. I think you said you yeah, were not, not with him anymore. No, we're not on speaking <laughs> terms. We're not married. So during all this, I had to go through a divorce too. Oh, geez. So as far as support system goes, my kids were extremely helpful. Oh, good. Um, I mean, that's so you know, young for them to, to have to do, but, you know, I'm glad that they were there and, and you know, able to help. Yeah, and they put their little handprints all over the apron they give you to take to radiation. I mean, you know, they saw the machine. We talked about it. We talked about, like, what would happen if something happened to mommy and, you know, who they would go with and different things like that. Uh, it brought us closer together. But, you know, at the end of the day, I knew I had to get up and still go to work. Yeah. And, I still had to function and the kids learned to cook for themselves. And so that was good. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, um, you know, that's kind of the reality is that, you know, for some people, you know, they don't have a support system around them, um, you know, and, and so that's kind of hard. Um, but you're right. You know, it's, it's, you kind of recognize like, I still have to get up. I still have to take care of my kids and, um, do all of that stuff. So did you utilize any kind of support groups, whether that be in person or online or um, otherwise? Did you have anything that offered some I support? I wanted to. I really wanted to. But going through the turmoil that I was going through with the divorce and how horrific that was, I was so embarrassed, ashamed scared because I didn't want him to use anything against me even though he's not their dad I was just in this state of let's just get this over with mm-hmm. um I don't think I have really come to terms with everything yet to be honest I have not dated or attempted to date since 2015 okay um it completely changed me I used to be the fun outgoing mom you know, got on the floor, you know, did everything, went everywhere, um, rode all the roller coasters. Now it's like, oh, don't put the harness on me. It hurts. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, um, I think I've honestly have been living in fear since I got diagnosed because I'm so scared that I'm going to get it again. And knowing that my daughter has to start getting mammograms at the age of 23 because they do it from 10 years from the onset of the mother, I feel guilty. And I mean, is there, there's nothing that you could, I mean, there's, there's not anything that you can do to kind of predict that. So, um, right. You know, but you, you don't have a family history, right? So um, the first one, now my mom has since gotten diagnosed, but she was 63. Oh, so your mom was diagnosed after you were with breast cancer? Yes. She got diagnosed at 63, but she was taken PIMPRO, for which is an estrogen 
replacement because she didn't like the menopause symptoms. And not saying that's what caused it, but it could have been. Um, and so, and hers was completely different than mine. She came out of surgery with a little Band-Aid where they cut it out. Mine, I had drains and tubes and had those forever and went to work with them. And, you know, right. she went back to work the next day. Oh, wow. I mean, hers, yeah, hers was completely different than mine. Yeah. Well, and it, that's exactly it. You know, it's, it's um, breast cancer is the, the same label for what we're going through, the, the, you know, the disease or the illness, but the stories that are, um, you know, behind that, that diagnosis or that pink ribbon, if you will, are very, very different. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I don't know. I, it took me away if that makes sense. I take pictures now of my kids. I, you know, spend like my whole life now revolves around them instead of having a social life or friends of my own or anything like that just so I don't miss anything because right. I'm I'm not promised tomorrow absolutely absolutely I mean none of us are. I mean we can always walk out any day and get hit by a car unfortunately you know something could happen we don't know and getting sick so young really, really changed me. Right. Maybe for the good on some things, because, you know, I did like to go out and have fun. <laughs> and so I kind of had to stop a lot of that because I don't have the energy. I can't keep up with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't keep up with people anymore. <laughs> you just sit in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, I just, I want to say, um, you know, thank you so much for sharing your story with me. Um, you know, I know that uh, it's not always necessarily easy to, to kind of rehash some things about our journey. Um, but I, I know that, you know, just kind of hearing your story for somebody else that, you know, it, it might really relate to them, um, you know, in terms of what they're going through. So um, it, just thank you so much for, for being a part of this. And I really appreciate it. And I hope that, uh, you know, the, the rest of the journey for you is short, um, that this doesn't last for much longer. Um, and that there is kind of a, a silver lining or something at the end of this that, uh, you know, kind of sheds a little bit of light and just helps you, um, to kind of put things into perspective. It's a hard thing to put in perspective, but, um, you know, I, I hope all the best for you. Thank you. And for anybody who is going through it, don't be afraid to ask for help. It's nothing to be ashamed of. We all need help sometimes. And I have always been extremely independent. And this, you know, it did take my independence away for a short period of time. And I really do wish I would have let my mom in to help or, you know, I wish it wouldn't have been just me doing it. Because I ended up having to make a notebook when I went to the doctor's office because I ended up having 10 doctors at oh. one time. All right. And I couldn't, I couldn't remember what they said. Yeah, that's a lot of I information. To, <laughs> yeah, I, I, they were all divided. I had to make notes every time I went. Let right. people in people understand more now they're more open 
Yeah, that's um, a that's a great piece of advice um, for you know anyone that's newly diagnosed or even just anyone in general um, that might be going through this. Anyone who's just going through anything, not even just cancer, yeah. because my cancer really did set off this new depression that I did not know existed. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to know that people care and that they genuinely do want to help. You may not have to tell them your whole story, but if you're struggling, there's there's people to help. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there really is. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you, you know, for offering that, that piece of advice. So, um, all right, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Um, but again, thank you so much for being a part of this, um, for being so willing to share your story. And um, thank you for asking. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.